Hey everyone, I know you've heard me speak about microdosing and how much I love it. And I'm talking about microdosing THC. I love it. And that's why I love our sponsor, microdose.com. Microdose gummies are incredible. They deliver perfect entry-level doses of THC that help you feel just the right amount of good. And when I mean just the right amount of good, I mean in so many situations, anxiety, sleep, focus, pain, relaxation. There are so many different strains and they're really helpful. And I have recommended microdose.com to so many people. And you know what they say to me? Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Don't be afraid of microdosing. Go to microdose.com and you'll learn all about microdosing THC. These gummies feel amazing. They taste amazing. I have used them to get me into the zone I need to write. I've used them at night after a stressful day or a stressful show to relax. I have also said to family members, please take a gummy right now. And they've said, oh, good idea. So check it out. Check it out because they're fantastic. And I'm not like a big weed person. I mean, I used to be. And I do enjoy, I do enjoy weed every now and then, but I love, I love these gummies and I take them with me everywhere. So check it out. Don't be afraid. They're all natural. They're fantastic. And you deserve it. So what are you going to do? You're going to do something that is fantastic. You're going to get 30% off your first order. 30% off. That's a lot. Plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Use promo code Judy Gold, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D. It's available nationwide. They deliver it to your door. That is microdose.com, promo code Judy Gold for 30% off and free shipping. Do it. Go to microdose.com, promo code Judy Gold. You deserve it. You deserve it. And you know what else? You're welcome. Well, I don't see the point in waiting any longer. So let's bring her out. The star attraction. The one you came to see. Ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, Miss Judy Gold. Today is a very, it's an extra special. Extra. Extra special. It's extra double wide it's special. It's extra wide and it's, it's easy. Today is going to be an easy Easy Kill Me Now podcast. A nice, wide, easy... Easy, wide... Kill Me Now... You know, I've always said that I have a wide ass. I've always agreed with you. Yeah. Shut up. But today... I mean, we have a legend in the house. We do. A legend. Yeah. You've got a couple of them. Um, I love this guy. All right. First of all, I love him because... He's so smart. Yeah. Um, Remember when I introduced you guys? That was me. I introduced you guys. Um, yes. I I have to let you know that I have been getting emails about the interruptions. So I'm not kidding. You know what? I would just like because I was just introducing him, and you just cut in with and I and I introduced them. So let me finish my thought. Well, the emails I get. Are they enjoy my interruptions? Okay, well, those four people are idiots. Anyway, so the reason I love this guy, smart, creative, um, life experience beyond, you know, lit, has lived many lives, I think. Like a cat. At least as many as a cat. At least as many as a cat. Um, it's not often you meet someone who has had such a major impact on your life since you're 16 years old, 17 years old. Same here. Since and I was 16. Interruption. And, um, 
and you find out that this person is such, is like in a beyond incredible multi-dimensional human being. And that's what we have today on Kill Me Now. And his name is Bert Rubin, ladies and gentlemen! Oh, thank you very yes, much. Yes, Bert Rubin. Thank you. Um, among other things, but claim to fame for a lot of people would be that he invented the easy wider rolling paper. Mm, thank you, sir. And I want to thank you uh, from the bottom of my heart. Since well, thank you for the mm-hmm. invitation. Yes, thank you for making things easy for me when I was 16 in New Jersey. Um, and I still purchase your product. Because to me, it's the it's the product. There's no other product but the brown the brown easy waters. Easy wider, easy wider, easy wider. Right, easy wider. Um, when I when I put together when I put together the uh, cigarette paper company, I didn't realize um, the effect actually that it in in the end would have in terms of how many people would end up using the product on a daily or weekly basis um, and also the growth of marijuana use in America. Right. Um, 30 years ago, I thought marijuana was going to be legal all over America. Yeah, I read that, yes. In, in, in 10 years. <laughs> Cue siren sound. Uh, and uh, it's 30 years and a handful of states have made it legal and with conditions, except in uh, Colorado and and somewhat in California, right? But it's it's a- absolutely, you know, for me, and I, I, you know, my son's in college, and I've told him I would prefer that you smoke marijuana and not drink. And then I read an article in the Times um, from a doctor whose children were growing up, and she she wrote that, you know. I know my kid's going to do, is going to party. Experiment. Right. And I... Teenagers experiment. Right. And it is much safer to smoke pot than it is. First of all, the other thing is, has anyone gotten stoned and and then beaten their wife? Has anyone, you know... Right, overdosed. Right. I read an article about somebody who went out and smoked some grass and... Not smoked. Wait, I'm closing the window. In New York City. It's not smoked, but I had... There was one kid I read who, you know, ate too many edibles and then jumped off. Yeah. is an entirely Mm -hmm. different thing. There's a chemistry involved with eating... Tetrahydrocannabinol is right. very different than smoking. Right. It's it's processed through your liver, that's why, right? And right. Uh, through your bloodstream and that's stream. the case. And it's also the, the amount you can Just you can eat you can eat a great amount more than you could possibly smoke or the ingestion through smoke. Right. And it takes two hours for an edible to to kick start in. to kick in. And right. then it's hours. Right. And then the next day you feel like Actually, shit. Not that I've ever had any. I've I did. still I still <laughs> I've had a bunch. smoke marijuana regularly. Right. It's my drug of choice. Right. Uh, Same here. When I, when just, I think I'm sorry, about, I'm just going to interrupt you. Just, just hold when, the mic up. Perfect. When I, think, when I think of drugs, I think of very, very early on, and I've told this story many times, about I was kind of the first te- television generation. Right. And we would see a, a picture come on with this um, big pill. And you didn't know what this pill was. Right. And then you'd see a man with a hammer hitting his head. Right. And you would say, wow, this is hammer. Wow, yes. this is terrible. Yes, This is right, Anison. Yeah. I'm a five or six-year-old looking at a TV screen. I say, wow, this is the age that... You take one of these, or you do one of these, right. and uh, it's going to change you from a hammer on your head to smiling and playing in right. the playground. Right. At that age, people are very impressionable. Right. <laughs> but, you know, also that generation, you you were born in 47? 46, yeah. 46. Well, you look 40, that you were born at 47. Thank you very You're much. Welcome. A, bus, <laughs> a bus driver told me that. My last birthday, I'm in a bus. Right. And the bus driver says... You seem happy. I said, yeah, it's my birthday. And he said, how old are you? I said, 69. He says, you don't look 69. I said, really? How old do I look? He goes, 68. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone's a comedian. Um, (laughs) Really? 
But the um, you were born. Now I forgot what I was going to say because uh, oh, excuse me, no, it's my it's fault. Not, it's menopause and another product that I use um, that I think affects your memory. Now, uh, so for, in forty-seven, you know, oh yes, there side was, effects. You're bringing up side effects, right? But no, I'm thinking what yeah. the well, what pisses I, me off of side effects. Yeah, but. <laughs> What about the side effects if you don't do it? But here's the thing is, you know, at that time, women were not really a major, major part of the workforce. And when I think of mothers of that generation, uh, they were having martinis. They were taking, you know, in the mama's 50s, 60s. Mother's little helper. That's yeah, wrong. that's they right. They were taking amphetamines like they were candy. Right. Yeah, and yeah. you yeah, know, Basically, can't uh, right, and and it was uh, you know here are these intelligent you know it, women who have to who were you know sitting at home you know waiting for their kids to come home from school. I mean, it, if I had nothing to do all day, oh. I, I don't know, I I'd go crazy. You would you would kill yourself, it. yeah, yeah. So I mean, at that time, I you know, and you mentioned that you. That they would say chemistry is the new... One of the uh, commercials said something about, uh, you know, use chemistry a, a better, now. Uh, a better world through chemistry. Right. And, I mean, we we talk about, oh, you know, legalizing marijuana. The amount of drugs that have been used over the years... I mean, cannabis was legal until the 20s, I think. Isn't that correct? It, about the 20s, yeah. right? This man, Henry Anslinger. He was the he was the a surgeon general or yeah or something very yes. high up in the government right and he held hearings and made it the death drug the right. death thing and uh, it scared America right and so there was anti marijuana legislation that was put federal legislation right oh one of one of um, our favorite things to do in high school was to rent the old uh, Reefer Madness movie and get high and watch it right. The Reefer Madness movie was um, basically a, uh, a a movie that was put out to show that by taking a few dogs of marijuana, you're going to become screaming mad. Right. Which is totally ridiculous. Oh, it's, and I used to, it's a comedy. To, well, uh, they used to play these, um, these videos in health class, <sighs> which were like someone smoking marijuana and then like, what? And like you know, right. planes so go flying into their head, and right. yeah, and it was that it was, was after that was a little bit after my time, right? But I can understand them using that in the seventies. That's right. what they would do. Meanwhile, mm -hmm. in the eighties, Woodstock. I mean, I was in Woodstock. I know, I know everything about you. I, I oh well, I, I just it was a matter of. Um, when when you grow up and, and people are telling you such ridiculous lies, right. you start to question what else they're telling right. you. Oh, sure. You know, yeah. um, it's like the boy who cried wolf. They tell you a lie, turns out to be bullshit. Right. They tell you another lie, turns out to be more right. bullshit. Right. And then you go, well, now the next thing you tell me, I'm supposed to listen to and say, yeah? Yeah. Well, you were born in New Rochelle. Or no, you were born in, in, city, city, in the city. But I was raised in Rochelle. I moved, moved there when I was very young. And you had older brother and sister. Exactly, yeah. And, uh, you know, my I had a lot of my family lived in, my father's side lived in New Rochelle and started the synagogue, the conservative synagogue oh, really? there. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, and it was like a suburban Westchester upbringing. Uh, a suburb. A yeah, city, suburb. A suburb of almost any right. big city in America. And that's when the suburbs were, you know, beginning. The main streets in the suburbs were the big thing. It wasn't the mall. Right. It was those little was mom three, and pop shops. There was three mall. Right. There were theaters on the main street right. somewhere. And there's still, New Rochelle is still like that. There's a lot of towns in Westchester that are still like mm -hmm. that. New okay. Rock City. And uh, there's a big mall there in New Rock City. But no, but there are little streets like that, which I find to be lovely. Well, charming. Yeah. And now, that's what the Upper West Side was, and now, forget it. It's still charming. The Upper West Side is still... Actually, when I was coming up here, just to disagree, not to disagree, but to, <laughs> to, to, this, it, it's beautiful. The buildings are beautiful. The buildings the are beautiful, are but the beautiful. banks are really... It's the one banks? bank. Oh, There's yeah. so many banks. <laughs> and Starbucks, Starbucks, Starbucks. 
Um, and your father was a dress buyer. Yes, indeed. Oh, cool. Um, and who did he buy for? I used to come in. Well, during that period of time, and before my father's time, um, the fashion industry was not centered here from a showroom point of view. It was it was in New York City from a manufacturing point of view. Right. This was before all the manufacturing went to China. Right. Before it went to um, India, to Pakistan, or right. whatever. They would make literally cut garments there. I remember growing up as a child. Once a year, my father would bring me down and walk me around to these manufacturing facilities. In the 30th Street, like yes, 8th in the Avenue? 30s. Yeah, yeah. 7th and 8th Avenue. Yeah. Exactly. Where the big button is now. They have the exactly. big Exactly. Right. They have a big button. All there. fabric there's, stores. There's a tailor. Yes. Yeah, there's a big stone tailor. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Of the tailor. Exactly. And, I love that one. And, and at that. Um, and at that time, um, he he would bring me down to see what was going on. Right. Um, he would buy for a chain of stores of 12 stores in Iowa and 16 stores in Arizona and another right. 12 so that they needed buying offices. Right. Now... Walmart has taken over all those right, stores, right, right, so they right. don't need a buying office. Everybody has to go to Bentonville or Arkansas. Right. Okay. Uh, they, they used to have all kinds of small department stores. And buying offices was a type of business. My father's company was one of probably hundreds that were buying offices to buy various things. He bought women's dresses. The man in the next desk may have bought hardware. Right. The man in the next next desk may have bought men's suits. Men's suits, right. exactly. And it was a specialist in that. And he'd write orders and these manufacturers. So shift. was he was your mother very well dressed? Um my mother well dressed, humbly dressed, my mom. Right. I mean was he great at buying dresses? No, it was great at buying dresses from Three dollars and seventy-five cents to twelve dollars and seventy-five right. cents would then retail from nine dollars to thirty-six dollars. So, and what would that be in today's money? Today, that might be a uh, dress from twenty-five dollars to sixty dollars. Oh, really? Very low price, on right? The low end of not couture. Right, 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 right. Okay, not the girls who are walking down uh, the fashion. So he wasn't the one that was like, "This is." I'm going to buy this dress and it's going to be the trendy not style. At all. Of not it. at all. This dress is in generally was a second generation or third right. generation from a manufacturer who is sure that this type of dress sells well, always sells well, and would make it make good quality right, right. merchandise that they could ship out to these small department store right. chains uh, throughout the United States. Wow. And your mom was a homemaker. My mom was basically a homemaker and then worked with my uncle in photography. Uh, oh, so yeah. very creative. Well, yeah, she was more of the bookkeeper part of right. it. Um, I don't know where the um, uh, my inventing came from. I, I don't right. think as time goes by, any of us know where our destinies came Well, from. you know, it's probably <laughs> your mother, but she could never do anything because she was a woman. Yes, but I think it was my mother who gave me the the decision to take a chance to make something. Because right. When you're an inventor, whatever like, you're inventing, yeah. you're in the front. You're in the front of... Right. And you don't know whether or not people are going to, with Easy Wider... Right. Okay. Um, when I sold the company way back when... 6.2 million. Well, to, that would be 62 million right. dollars right. or more. Right. Or more, mm -hmm. okay, and um, uh, when I I was selling the company, I never thought I'd be selling seventy eight million booklets a year. Right, right. I'd be in one hundred ten thousand stores. Yeah. When I started it, I did some research. I had written to uh, twenty companies around the world who made right. booklets. Only five companies answered me. Right. I then went to. Them again with more statistics and more abilities. Right, it's all marketing. And then, and then, once you could produce something, you have to marketing is branding a big percentage of. So, but what? Easy Wider had an advantage.
Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. It was generally you. If, you, if you're making a new toothpaste. Oh, my God. Kill me now. This is a kill me now moment. Kill that me my now. fucking landline is ringing. Watch, now it'll say who it's from. <laughs> I hope they pronounce the name right. <laughs> oh, there it goes. I can't. I'm not even getting it. Oh, please don't leave a message. Please don't leave a message. This is so fucking annoying. We're not recording in my house anymore. Let's see who it is. Yeah, this edits. It's easy. Okay. Yeah. Let's so see. easy. Thank you. Yes, you are. Sorry, I am. Okay, work. That could not have been more perfect. But she knows she's interrupting the podcast, and yet she still calls. Hey, what's up? Am I interrupting the podcast? Am I interrupting the podcast? Sorry if I am. All right. So, but you, so you, you. Invented Easy Winder because there was a need for it. When you were a kid, when you were younger, like I know that Easy Winder was like your first huge invention, but when you were a kid, were you making, were you good with your hands, you know? Yes, generally I went to woodshop and enjoyed woodshop. As a Jew in woodshop. Yeah, and when uh, I took uh, specialty drawing in terms of mechanical drawing. Right, right, right. I was very good at mechanical drawing. Um, and like engineering and engineering types of things um, and I always wanted to improve I have it's like now at home I have a list of things and some of them I've made models of right. of other products that I would intend to make have right. had the financing or the time right right now I've decided to stick with the utensils that I've shown you yes before. we will be discussing those which I enjoy right. no no but um it's like I'm always trying to say, well, how can it be better? Even if right. in a simple way, sometimes very small changes make great improvements. Like you gave me this pen, this Evo pen, right. okay. okay, which is in uh, the museum MoMA. Well, it, no, it used to sell in MoMA. Now you, you just uh, Google it on. Okay. Google and it on I have arthritis. Okay. And, um, when I, and I handwrite a lot because I find it to be... You know, much more like creative, yeah, sure. yeah. And th- and I always, I have a huge callus. Well, the reason you have a callus is because it's the body's way of showing you. Right. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. That's, <laughs> right. you know. And this pen is tiny, and, you know, it's... It'll it's fit a, into any pocket. It'll fit into your... It's so... I... I, I have a kill me. I, like, this is such a great, like, I could write with this all day, and it would have no effect on my hand. Uh, I had it's no idea too. you had arthritis. Um, yeah, who knew? <laughs> I have arthritis. Oh, well, um, and it's know. the greatest pen, EVO. I love it. Yeah. Love and it's well really made, it's and it's, still, it's, it's hefty. It's beautiful. It's, um... And it's a work, it is a work of art. In, it's made in the United States. And it's which very, I enjoy. Which is very minimalist. Right. It's what's called, um, the write-out is a, a ballpoint. Right. A tungsten carbide ball in a brass seat. Right. Tungsten carbide is really one of the hardest materials that are known, and that's why you have a nice write-out. And it feels like it's just an extension of your hand. Yeah. That's you the, know what I mean? Right. So it's not so like it's you're ordinary. manipulating your hand to fit this. I'm proud to say that that pen and models were accessioned into the permanent collection of the Smithsonian. Oh, oh yeah, birds! That's so that cool. to bird. <laughs> oh, Nachas, you bring me Nachas. So wait, so so Bert, you grew up New Rochelle. You went to summer camp, Jewy summer camp. Yes, well, pretty much. Yeah. Yes, for a lo- I was a very very big camper. Um, yeah, I liked athletics. I liked being outdoors very right. very much. So I went to camp from when I was... Which camp? I went to Camp Beaverkill in upstate New York. Very nice. Beaverkill. Not, not too far uh, from the Beaverkill stream. Mm-hmm. Um, not too far from a town called Livingston Manor. Mm-hmm. Or next largest would be Liberty. Which right. Yes, I know Liberty. 20 miles away. Yes, yes, yes. And then you continue on down to Monticello. Right. And then you get to finally New York. But about right. 125 miles in the north. Right. Up in the mountains where it would be nice and cool. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. It was um, 
are wow. very. It's it, a very it, Jewy thing. I really yeah. missed yeah, out on dream. the Jew camp. It's yeah. a dream. Um, you're living in heaven. They force you to play. <laughs> right. That's the thing. Like my kids you go. You can't sit on the bed. You don't know how many people say to me. <laughs> Oh, your kids go to camp for seven weeks? And I'm like, what? I couldn't be without them. Then you're fucking mentally ill. Let your kids go. My kids go to camp. They're not allowed to use their phones. No electronics. Yeah, They can't wait. It may have been the best part of my Life. life and growing up and learning values and... Learning sports that I but it also learning me. how to negotiate, yes, how to live I, in a group. Little, how, little, yeah, right. There were ten beds right. in each bunk. There were two counselor beds and eight eight kids. And your parent, you're learning um, you're for learning, yourself, right? Not right. your parents right. saying, you know, it is such. I hated camp because I was six feet tall at twelve, and then they had the open shower, you know, where it, you know it was just you know spurts coming out, you know, like yeah. little fall. At, like, you know, in a gas chamber, you know, like some, like in a, not in a gas chamber, but you know what I mean, in these open showers. It didn't make you happy. Well, I'm six feet, and they're all like, you know, 4'11", and their heads are, you know, yeah, in my it's vagina. Like, I have to tell you, I wore a bathing suit after I was like, so oh my did God. I. I always wore a bathing suit I after gym. I would always like, no, at the, I know. the open shower. But we had like, to well, also. there for whatever for Yeah, reason. and then someone like wrote um, when I left. They engraved in the wall, Bigfoot slept here. What a fucking dick. Fucking fuck you, whoever you are, you motherfucker. They're dead. Don't dead. worry. All right, to me. But anyway, summer camp I'm is amazing. I went to music camp, yes. which was really fun. Well, but yeah. camp in any camp, whether it be music camp, whether it be horseback riding, right. whatever camp it is, you put in, I think, uh, my son Jordan um, went to camp in Maine for a number yeah, of which years. Which one? I'm forgetting the name right here. Right it's my mother went to camp in Maine. Hmm. Yeah, it's a bit cold for me up there, actually. Yeah, I know. But um, no, but yeah, it's so like you know, Jews do it. Non-Jews are like, oh, my kid's going to 4-H camp for two weeks. I don't know what I'm going to do. You know what you're going to do? You're going to have a relationship with your husband. You're going to do all. You know, let your kids go. I think it was also a good thing for my parents. Absolutely, definitely. Um, because I had an older brother and sister. Um, I was still the one that was holding them back from maybe doing some things. Right. And Were you a mistake? Um, well, something that lived with me and still does. Oh, I'm glad I could every bring time, that up. Every yeah. time, yeah. Every time I would sneeze, my father would say, God bless you and keep you because I can't afford you. And so that... That really is a great thing to say to us. That, that would stay that with you forever. me out yeah. for a long time. Oh, my God. You I know, thought she had no idea. You're right. I then went to my mother and said, I, I, I want to go to a psychiatrist. Mom. Right. Oh, I remember reading this. You were like 13. Right. And ever, right. did you get bar mitzvah? I did. did I you? did. I'm, I'm philosophically Buddhist now. Right. But I was brought up with, not religiously Jewish. But observant. Um, but conservant. Or cons- yeah. It was a conservant. The Jews have three types. There's the orthodox, orthodox conservative, reform. And reform. And um, in the show where I was brought up, there were each type. Right. And we were in the middle. We were right. conservative. Right. That means there was some English in our... Yeah, and And Hebrew women and men could, could sit, sit together. together. That's um, how I grew up. Oh, right. Sluts, all of you. Together. <laughs> I can't with the Orthodox. But, so you... Uh, but, you know, my synagogue here now, they have... They have meditation services now. Like they have incorporated right, right. other in, other uh, right. thinking. Right. That's okay. So you're thirteen. The thing I like about Buddhists is um, is that if you're a Buddhist, if you want to be Jewish, you can be a Buddhist Jew. Right. And if you want to be Baptist, you could be a Buddhist Baptist. If you want to be right. Catholic, a you Judas. could be a right. Buddhist Catholic. Right. Whereas <laughs> if you wanted to be a Buddhist and you were Jewish, the right. Jews would say no. You right. have to stay Jewish. Right. If you wanted to be um, Catholic, the Catholics would say no, you can't Well, they Buddhist. say no to everything. <laughs> Indeed, they do. <laughs> Except little boys. Hey, oh. Yay. Good night, folks. We'll be here all week. That's a man. whole other conversation. Yeah. Oh, yes, it what is. Me off. Yeah. Oh, yes. A little um, body, what? But. So you asked to go to a psychiatrist, and you mentioned, oh, yes. okay. I read so, that you said other friends were going to well, other, psychiatrists, other, and I thought, really, at that age? Yeah, I thought, I said, you it's know. very self-aware. Uh, I think it was, 
Johnny was going to a psychiatrist. David, Gary, and I they said, were like they did, were. Did they ask or did their well, parents? In, in, in Nurshell at the time, Nurshell, Mount Vernon, where I grew up, that was fairly. It was kind of standard. Really? Um, yeah. I mean, enough enough that. Well, just like I wouldn't say it's a, say, an exact analogy. But divorce was standard in my right, my, and that was the beginning of my, yeah. of my generation. Right, I take uh, twelve guys I went to college with here at NYU. Right, eleven out of twelve got divorced at least once, at least once. Right, so I can't say that I would kind of think of that. Yeah, as but you're a but, philosophical phenomenon, right? As opposed to just Bert being a problem because he can't get along with his wife. Right, <laughs> but. So, all right, so you're 13, you're like, I want to go to a psychiatrist. I want to go to a psychiatrist. And what do your parents say? Well, my mother said, I'm sorry, Bert, we can't afford psychological problems. And then God bless you. And then God bless you and <laughs> have a good night's sleep. And I, we can't afford psychological problems. problems. They were not real problems. They're right. psychological problems. What are you the, doing the with have, the making noise? The people who are having problems yeah. are the Syrians. <laughs> They're having right. problems. Yes, I agree. Okay. My problems were I was biting my nails. Yeah, I do that too. Do you still do it? <laughs> no, I stopped at about twenty three. I got after, but, and I yeah. went to, and I've gone to shrinks subsequent to that. Okay. So <laughs> when was the first time you went to a shrink? Um, uh, when I got married, I found myself unhappy. Right. Oh, that's unusual. You win the prize. Yeah. I found myself unhappy, and I couldn't understand why. And, you know, it was like um, if I went out to the uh, basketball game on Wednesday right. nights and was supposed to finish at 10 o'clock, and, and the game was good, so we played till 10.30. Right. As soon as I came home, I got shit. Oh, my God. Hello. Where were you? This is before cell phones, so you can't say games running long. Right. No, right. this is way before. Where were you? Who were you with? Okay. Now, Bert. Same. Now, if the, yeah. the next week PTSD. I came home early because the game was bad, yeah. it was, what happened? How come you're home early? Yeah. So no matter, you can't fucking win. <laughs> so I, I have the same shit. I couldn't, <laughs> I, I couldn't win. Right. And so I went to my shrink and he said, well, when did this start happening? And I explained to him and he said, well, um, your wife might be the problem. And Smart. I said, um, what? Why? I mean, it's just because the, the, there's this constant thread that's continuing, and continuing, right. and continuing. That it's pattern, not, yeah. yeah this pattern that if you take your wife out of the pattern, it's not going to happen, right? <laughs> and uh, what's his more thought to, to go, um, <laughs> This was many. Yeah. This was many. Forty, probably. Right. Uh, so that was one time. Wow. Another time when um, one of the things about Easy Wider was that I was, um, as much as I enjoy and believe in, in marijuana, um, I don't for cocaine. Right. And because they're all illegal. Right. Underground, they move in the same, on the same roads. Right. On the same, uh, whatever. Right. You know, they both have extent. to be smaller. Right. Right, they both have to be smuggled. It's, right. They're dealing with the same people overseas, etc., right. etc. Et Unfortunately, right. I personally think it should be handled that, that all drugs should be legal. You mm -hmm. just have to take a two-month course in the drug, and you decide for yourself what like you want if, to do. Like if, like a gun, right? Like a gun, you could take a two-month course, course. You pass inhale, it, inhaling it, right? Well, one of the things about camp was the NRA at that time was how to safely use a rifle, right? That's that's, that's how it started. That, yeah, that's how when I was, it was like we part of camp was riflery. That was really one, that was one of the things. Wow! We did. I used to play a lot of tennis, but right. most of it was right. So once a week, you'd go to the riflery. Did anyone get shot? Like never. You it was always stole my, you know, no, 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 no. Yeah. When um, me grew when when I was growing up, people got beat up. They didn't right. get shot. Right. Exactly. See, I'll see you at the schoolyard. Right. You know, that's the way. Exactly. It, right. We'll see you after like school. school. Right. And you'd sew with your hands. Right. Go, and maybe some guy would get a bloody eye, a bloody right. nose. Right. And he'd run home crying, and that'd be the end of that story. Right. Fisticuffs. Yeah. So you're... No guns. Now, you graduate college. Uh, 
NYU. You, you went to NYU. You're living down on Bleecker or Thompson Street. We we we. Um, when I went to college, yeah, I went. We lived on Thompson between right. Bleecker and Houston. Right. That's there was an apartment. Perfect. Three guys. Um, I got a, a really good marijuana story with these three guys. Right. These two other friends. They're both named Steve. One of right. them unfortunately passed away. <laughs> the uh, Steves. But um, the Steves sent a bongo drum full of marijuana from Jamaica to my apartment. No way. <laughs> That's fantastic. How was it delivered? Well, UPS, U, U.S., well, United well, States Post Office? Was it delivered? What, what, what happened, if you want the story? Yes. Is um, these were my two roommates, and and we were um, three of us were living here in Lincoln Towers at seventy. Oh and yeah, West End very nice. Seventieth and West End Avenue on a high floor with the right. towers. It was a three. It was a two bedroom apartment. We converted it into three. To Judaism. The three converted of us it are, to Judaism. <laughs> the three of us are living there. Yeah, with the Trinity. And uh, all of a sudden, we get a call from my two ex roommates, Steve and Steve. They're back from Jamaica. Why are you so back from Jamaica? Right. Well, we thought we would um, export marijuana from Jamaica, and we put it in bongo drums, and we were shipping the bongo drums up to you to the apartment. And the next day in the Montego Bay Times, we see the front page with pictures of bongo drums. No. With the comment, stupid Americans sending marijuana. No way! <laughs> up, no way. Up with bongo drums. Everything's quiet. Nothing's happening. All of a sudden, Peter Stern, Steve's brother, is home. Gets a knock on the door. Police. No, not the police. FBI. It's the United States Post Office. Right. <laughs> and they deliver the bongo drum. No way. Yeah, they deliver the bongo drum. But five minutes later, there's another knock at the door. Yeah, right. And it's the police. Right. The father was a sergeant in the police department. No way. They call Steve, him Steve's, Steve's father. father. And Peter's Paul father. Paul Stern. Uh, no, it's not, oh. no, it wasn't Paul. Oh, all right, whatever. I, I don't recall. There was a guy. There was a guy. All right, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, they bust the apartment. But since the father was a cop, the father comes in, punches his son in the face because of being a bad boy. Right. The word comes out. They're all leaving the police that we have to be completely out of the apartment within 24 hours. Oh. They're coming back in 24 hours. And if there's anybody there, those people will be busted. In that specific apartment. In that specific apartment. Which was completely furnished. Right. <laughs> you we lost moved. the place. We lost the place, God. and we moved out of the place. What a Because my two closest idiot. friends, they still are my closest friends. But <laughs> subsequently to that, I went to South America with right. them. I went to Cambodia with them. I've been That's to a great solar story. eclipses with them, right. et, cetera, et cetera, Oh, my God. Okay. But and they get... never... Didn't they think, oh, my God, it smells? Uh, whatever, yes. they, whatever it was... It was an unknown how everything in your life could change in right. moment. moment. Now, um, <laughs> so that was so they learned, so they learned how to pack it up better. Now I hope. Well, uh, they, they're not in that business. Yeah, they no, they grown they become stock Well, they should have known me. Okay, <laughs> wait. So you're at NYU. Now I did read a story that they, the U.S. Post Office, speaking of the U.S. Post Office, had a campaign where you could send in an idea for a stamp, and you sent in a stamp with the fallout shelter sign. Yes, exactly. Which is, did your parents say, oh my God, Bert is brilliant. No. I know he can't afford him, but you have to admit that is a no. brilliant stamp. No, it was, <laughs> no. Um, as a matter of fact, um, I still see them on the walls of... I still see them. Yeah, I've been from my there's, childhood. There's one. They're all on, on the building, very nearby, or on your building. There was. There's one on our building. Right. And, yeah. Um, it basically was a way at that time. Um, the fears now that the kids have of, um, well, the government hasn't decided what it's going to call it. Right. They haven't decided whether they're going to call it Daesh, ISIS, right. ISIL, ISIL. Um, and I'm sure they have assholes. Right. There's a few Mental, other, yeah. 
there's a few other terms yeah. that could be surely used. Right. Um, and so um, the fear now, and true fear amongst children, I'm sure. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Yeah, my son, who's never, he's in college now, he's never been, you know, it's like they get to an age where they don't feel invincible anymore. Right. And he's 19, and he's coming home for Christmas. He said, I'm going, I'm not going anywhere near Times Square. That's what he said yeah, to me. Yeah, okay. My yeah. other son's school is in Times Square, which is awful. Well, um, unfortunately, you know, for me, I was um, at 8th Street, Washington Square, and I saw the second plane uh, I'm sorry. Hit, hit the tower and watch the towers collapse and yeah. land from the debris. Right. So oh, that sorry. was my, um, if you're looking for a hate everything moment. Right. Kill me now. <laughs> yeah. Kill me now. Uh, that was it. And everything pretty much changed in my life. I yeah. agree. From that From moment. that point on. That moment must have changed your brain chemistry. Well, it did. I can't look at planes now. Now, I right. have been to 60, well, if you include America, 68 countries. And some of them five times. Right. Okay. Favorite. I, I, What's your favorite? I only count them once. America. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I have to tell you. Uh, I mean, I, I... I love to live in America. Right. I was in Canada recently for, you know, two weeks doing a show. Right. And I... And no matter where I am, when I get to America and I go through... And I am... I want to hug the customs people. No, for sure. Thank you. For Thank sure. you for speaking that way. You know, it's like... No, I know exactly what you mean. I see yeah. that plug. I'm like, you know, it's and nice now that we have to live in this sort of police state... Um, yeah, it's very it's scary. It's very scary. And I think it was a great a great idea to go into Iraq. Well... You know, I thought that was true. Yeah, yeah, oh, real Bush smart. Was. That was real But smart. I said, last night I said on stage, I said, you know, I think we finally found the weapon of mass destruction, the NRA, which that... I'm sure I'll get in trouble for, but that is... Of course you will. Well, Good for you. One of the I'm things proud of I've, you. I've learned to appreciate a lot more is the Atlantic and Pacific Ocean. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> you know, the reason the Syrians are streaming into Greece and then mm -hmm. through there and going up into yeah. Europe is, is because they can do it by walking. Right. You're not going to walk across the Atlantic. Right. Well, unless God parts it. Well, uh, he parted the Dead Sea. <laughs> now, wait. So you're a on. A lot more work. You're on Thompson. You're going to Cafe Agoga, where I have to tell you, I performed. So I started performing in the '80s, and I went to We're talking '64 to '68. Yeah, but I, but all those places like. Uh, <laughs> You remember um, Art Delugoff? Art, Art Delugoff. Right. His son, um, I knew Art, and right. and his son um, has been a friend of mine for years. We used okay. to play piano together. I, and, didn't, I didn't know his son. Yeah, I didn't and know Art uh, Raphael. Because it was right on the corner of Bleecker and Right, Thompson. and I used to go and there. He used long, to stand up. Yeah. building, right, with black doors. Go, and black you know, the, a few weeks ago, I shot a show at the Bitter End, and I was Which like, is right across the yes, street. and I was like, oh my god, you know, I was not twenty years old. Come these places. Well, that's why New York is still. I mean, uh, I love I right. love being here. You have a tremendous quality of energy here. Right. And, and walking down the street and seeing a Korean girl walking with a black girl, walking with a Jewish kid, walking right. with a Irish child, right. and they're all giving each other five high fives right. laughing. You don't find that anywhere. You know, it's amazing for, you know, my kids. You don't. And, they, you know, gay parents. You know, they have gay kids. They have transgender kids. Well, right. They could give two Too shits. Well, it's like, oh, mommy, guess what? So-and-so <laughs> just came out. They could fucking... They we're, don't we're lucky, care. We're yeah. lucky. We're very lucky to live. When I when I talk to people and they say, "Well, uh, could you live in New York?" I say, "Because you get more intellectual space than anywhere." How could you not? Like, I grew up in the suburbs. You grew up in the suburbs. Right. My mother grew up two blocks away in the city. Oh yes. Yeah, ninety fourth Street, and she always my entire and I had a lot of relatives here on the Upper West Side, and all my childhood, I remember her. You know, it's it's I can't sleep. It's too quiet. I can't. She would come, we would come on a, um, three times a year, just the two of us to go buy shoes. Cause I was a size 12 at, at 12 and there was only one shoe store. Up, so. There was only one shoe store that sold 
It's called Tall Gal Shoes. It was on 38th Street across from the New York Public Library. Mm-hmm. And um, we would come in. And I have to tell you, the minute she stepped foot on the island of Manhattan, it was like another human being. And she always said I would pitch a tent in Times Square if I could. And it, you know, it's, it's I, and obviously I obviously stayed with you. Right, you live in a very comfortable, nice home. Uh, I love this city. My kids. In the city. I was in LA on a sitcom when Henry was born, and it was either you, I can stay here and be on TV. <laughs> Or I can move back to New York, and I and I it was hard because I was really hot at the time. Like I was really working all the time on every show. I had an HBO special, you know, it was great. But I thought all I ever wanted was for my children to grow up in New York. Yeah, I'm very happy Jordan did. Yeah, very happy. Your son's a comedian, Jordan Rubin, yes, and a I director. Do. Right. But we're not talking about him. Anyway, um, so you're on to... I think, I hope he's taken his high energy of doing things from me. Absolutely. He's a great, he's a great comic. No, Um, no question. We might have to have him on to talk about you. High energy is, you know, um, when I was, when you invited, were kind enough to invite me on to discuss, you know, some things, you know, it was like, um, I was thinking and writing a list. Right. And one of the things I put on the list was the word time, meaning the importance of it. Ab- yes. Okay, and doing it. And like in New York, you know, during the week I can get my bicycle and go anywhere. I can walk, oh my God. walk anywhere. Wait. I can subway. Bird, we should get married. First of all, I ride my bike everywhere. You can ask Lauren. True. I, uh, the other night, you know, my brother was coming in from Arizona. I have saddlebags on my body and my bike. And I go, I can fit four bags of groceries. I come home. He lives in Arizona. I'm like, can you help me with the groceries? I'm on my bike. I give him right. the set. You know, you so can walk. Like you, you can, can take six. the bus. It's beautiful. You can take also. the subway. You know, <clears throat> the thing about, and I love that you mentioned time because often, you know, I, I value time more than money. So when someone says to me... Right. You can get well, a lot more money. Right. You can't get more time. Right. And so when someone says, oh, I'm going to take the shuttle to that, I'm going to wait, that I'm going to to the airport, to the this, to me, spending money on having more time, even a nap, like... You know, if I see that the subways aren't running, will I spend money? Yes, I will, because my time is valuable. I'm not going to... Because you you end up spending, you know, depending on on what you are and who you do, but you end up spending just as much money uh, based on that time you lost. Like some people, like my father was a depression baby. He would drive a half an hour to get a cheap, two cents cheaper gas. Same as my father. Right. So, and what's the point? You're using more gas to get, to get there, there, right? And and it's two, It's an hour when it could be five minutes. You know, to me, that mentality of, oh, I'm going to drive here because there's a bargain. You know, okay, so it's it's $10 more expensive here, and you have the whole afternoon. Well, I, I appreciate and, and the, the walking. That goes the walking I think the walking is. is very important. And that, walking is... That it's like, you live here at... And although I live on another part of town in right. Manhattan, both of us within probably three blocks have five Chinese restaurants right. we could go to, six Thai restaurants we right. could buy, at least, at least three Greeks, some pizzerias. Great. They Mexican, get, they coffee shops. Because yeah. they'll be out of business right. in six months if right. they're not good. Right. Exactly, yeah. Same and here. Some I live of them, Queens. And, and some of them have been here forever. For a long you know? time, right. So... You, uh, so you're in you're at your apartment in Thompson Street, and actually, after I go to school, after I graduate, well, from you NYU, worked as the head of catering at yes, NYU I because was a catering manager. right because you had started as a bartender, then a waiter, right. and then you and then so you're making two hundred a week at that time, which seemed like a good money. That's a lot of money, right? And in '64, making two hundred a week, mm-hmm. that's a but lot. But I was working, I was going to school full time. One year I was, one year, I'm actually, because that's the way I've lived right. in terms of keeping busy. I was president of my fraternity. What fraternity? Phi Epsilon Pi. I was voted best athlete in the fraternity system. No way. Chuck. I was nerd. Chuck nerd. You're going nerd. to school full time. Right. And working full time. Right. And you so didn't that, smoke. 
Um, I didn't smoke time. marijuana. I smoked cigarettes. Right. Marlboros because you like the Marlboro Mar- commercial. Of course. Huh. Right. How did you know? Because I read. Okay. So then. <laughs> you're a cowboy and a badass. Yeah. Well, okay. I so then. Actually, I learned right nearby here. In fact, um, the stable is the riding stable. Yes. 88th Street. Right. And um, I took riding lessons and jumping lessons. No way. Yeah, that, that was cool. Jumping is great for you. Well, jumping was okay at, to a certain point. Well, now it, my trainer... My bones, my bones don't fix as well as they could so you know, I'm going to fall. You know, my trainer, it makes me go on the trampoline. And <laughs> That's good for timing. And it's very good for your lymphatic system. And uh, he just taught me how to run on it. The motion of running. And it's... My heart rate goes... It's I sweat so much. I'm getting one for this. A friend of mine just got me a, a, a quite a good... Um, what do you call it? Bicycle. Yeah. Stable bike. Yeah. Stationary. Stationary. But I walk at least... I have a little Havanese dog. Oh! Very cute. Okay. You know, and my he's... friend Susie Esmond says, Guys with small dogs are like the best. Well, what, what happens is... It, because they're secure of their masculinity yeah. enough to have a small yeah. dog. Yeah. Also, I, my previous dogs were larger. One was a golden retriever mm-hmm. and one was a yellow lab. But uh, um, at this okay. time, also, I've been to Cuba twice. Right. Nice. Since Have you been since we No, not since the day time. No. Okay. I've been there in like 1998 and maybe 2004. Right. Or 2006. Um and I found it to be, um, it's not an island, it's a country. Right. It's very different. Right. It's uh, 900 miles long. Right. It's um, very sophisticated. It was right. the richest city in the Western Hemisphere yes. for many years. And there's Jews there, Jubans. What? Oh, big time. Yeah. A lot of Chinese, too. In fact, Chinese cemeteries. Wow. It's just special. So what about the St. Louis, the ship that, you know, that they turned back? That Roosevelt turned back. No, that's, the a, Jews. that's a. That was a. Oh, that part I don't know. I don't well, know. they came to Florida and then they tried to go to Cuba. Yeah, but I know. The, yeah, I'm, that's a, during the Roosevelt time, and I'm, yeah. I'm not sure. I don't know the history. Right. Yet. Okay. So, you're at NYU. You're living in Top Street. You're working full time. The first time. Now you're around people who are smoking. Okay. And my Frank Zappa lived in your building. Frank Zappa lived in my building. Uh, uh, they, they were the mothers of invention. Was oh uh, right, right, right. The mothers of invention. Yes, I remember. All of them lived in the building. And you, and first night I ever. I wasn't smoking marijuana. And okay. I decided to smoke. Right. Because my two roommates were. Right, Steve's. The both the two Steve's. Yes, yeah, Steve's. <laughs> Uh, everything was wonderful. I'll see you soon. Thank you for the visit. So long. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. 